0: Okay, this is just a little uh, public service warning that the following episode contains random material that is not suitable for normal listeners. You were warned that I will stop and think during this show. I will talk about incomprehensible things. I'm going to be Uh, Random, obscure, offensive, incomprehensible, incoherent, base, insignificant, um, horrible, not entertaining. So if you're looking for an entertaining podcast, go listen to Joe Rogan. Oh, I'm sorry. He's off of the public now you have to get a spotify which is going to watch your every single movement i don't know listen to the no agenda show do something but uh, don't listen to this episode because it's really really bad all right you've been warned all right 357 on a cold cold winter morning And you are listening to 3.57 in the morning. And you're listening to the stream of Random Podcast, where today you're going to listen to me talk, and maybe I'll have some clips to entertain you. I don't have any clips prepared. I'm embarking on my morning walk, and you're welcome to join me. This is not a news show, this is not an entertainment show, this is a therapy show, that's right, audio therapy to massage your ears. First, let's have a sip of coffee. Mmm, nice hot coffee. Luckily, it's not windy or snowy or rainy. I don't know if I could take freezing rain at this temperature. It would be a challenge. The moon is at a, uh, a quarter, getting smaller. It's a waning moon. We'll have to see if we can find Saturn and Jupiter that are supposed to be merged into one planet in the sky in the next days, every 800 years it happens everyone has their house lit up with Christmas trees there's little deer running around people's yards But boy, our radishes are just not giving up. Those daikons are just, they don't care if they freeze. They must be the hardiest plants I've ever seen. Some plants actually get sugarier and tastier in the cold. We'll have to harvest some and cook them up today. So I started to, um, I started working on a PHP app using Composer and the Slim Framework. I'm just trying to get like a sample Hello World to deploy to one of these free hosting sites. I'm thinking right now so basically this is for the embedded or escaped RDF project and I want to make a server that's written in PHP because that's like the lingua franca of the uh, internet all the free hosting has PHP on it not necessarily Python and then um <clears throat> Basically, the idea, oh my God, I can just imagine um, people familiar with the uh, subject sticking pencils in their ears right now saying, stop it. This is what happens when you think about things on the podcast in real time. It's a think cast. Yeah, so PHP is the lingua franca of the internet, really. And um, basically, I want a service that you can link to. <clears throat> that you can write URLs against, long URLs. And, um, I guess we want permanent URLs. <clears throat> There's a whole bunch of different ways to do this. You know, you can have a lot of subdomains. So why not pack some information to the host name itself that represents you, and then maybe into the URL itself, or even the host name that says what type of data it is. see what happens with that isn't it funny how like Google will have 20 IP addresses responding to a domain name okay guys I need to think about things some more myself because this is also torturous for me. <clears throat> you know, I might not even release this episode. Actually having to edit it also seems to be annoying. Okay, this is the second try, the second try guys, we're going to try and um, keep up the flow of conversation without too long pauses, I wonder if that's possible, we're not going to talk about talking too much, but I have been uh, catching myself with these long think pauses, I guess that's me just trying to think about things. Instead of talk about them. And uh, I guess some things I just don't know enough about. I haven't thought about enough for me to even talk about. That's right. And that doesn't make for good radio. Of course, I never tried to make good radio here. I guess I'm going to try now. Just because I've got people who have knowledge of the situation... Constantly criticizing me. But that's okay. I asked for feedback and I got it. It's like, that wasn't very surprising. So, um. Yeah, I don't even know what to say. Looks like this is going to be a dud as well. Well, I'm warning you that we're just going to continue because we got rationale here. First of all, this is my show. And this is my life, my time. And you have your life and your time. So if you don't want to listen to this, and I'm warning you right now, we're not going to... You know, we're going to have long breaks. We're going to have a rambling text going to be thinking live We're going to be just going through this stuff in our mind and that's just what's going to happen so if you don't want to hear it you can shut it off now so now that you've been warned and um, I thought about just you know, not doing this not recording not sharing my ideas but um I'll give you my rationale why. Well, as I already just said, it's my life, and I have some things I wanna work out, I'm working out. And as a software developer, sometimes you gotta think things through. So there's multiple layers here I can show you. There's the question of what host names, or what hosts are behind what URLs. So <clears throat> when you register a C name or a domain, a subdomain, which is an A record. So an A record is an IP address. A C name is a name that resolves to an A record. It's an alias. <clears throat> so you can have multiple hosts behind behind an A record, like I mentioned before. You've got Google with 15 hosts behind it. Um, <clears throat> I suppose you could have multiple hosts behind a C name, but okay, definitely the A name. So. <clears throat> I, think I see what's happening here are these pixels they painted them white and now they've got them covered in plastic so i guess they're they're putting on the sparkles or whatever <clears throat> they're giving them a paint job at the college of new jersey so just thinking about some crazy shit right now So you have an IP address that will resolve and then if it's the protocol HTTP or HTTPS then they'll send the port they'll send the traffic to port 80 or 443 and they'll send the host name in the header so the website has to respond to that host name okay so um... there's a lot of things that we can do And in the end, we could be running multiple Raspberry Pi servers, each of which has an IP address, a public IP address. Um, now running port 80 is an issue. So another thing you can do is you can set up a <clears throat> reverse proxy. You can set up one host that's on the public internet that has these other hosts in the background so you're not exposing them like a, like a proxy server of some kind, a reverse proxy. So that's uh, something that we can do to front out things to users. We can maintain connections to backend servers with SSH, that'll just dial in and keep that connection alive um, and I've thought about that a couple of times <clears throat> so um Gonna think about this some more, and um, but let's just say, see, there's there's a couple of different aspects to this whole RDFA. One of it is that the host name that you're linking to doesn't actually have to exist, so the URL itself has value. Um, even if the host is missing so that's the one thing now the next thing is you can create a static see this is where we might get into some magic we might be able to create a uh, static host or static JavaScript page that when it loads it decodes the URL parameters so that um, you don't actually need a server-side thing to decode it. Um, And that could all be hosted, I guess, on on JavaScript, on uh, GitHub or something. So um, the basic idea is that you would create these URLs that would land on a page. The page would be the same for everybody, but that page would then read out the parameters from the URL params and then do stuff in JavaScript on the client side. And then it could produce new URLs for you. Validate or display all that stuff in JavaScript. Not even server-side. So that makes a lot of sense right there. Um, And then if it wanted to, if you wanted to uh, (coughs) redirect it, See, this gets into cores as well. Um, There's a lot of different issues here. We have to remember that we're, we're trying to encode data in URLs or any way that we can sneak them in. We're trying to sneak data in, in a structured format. um it might be easy, it might be easy for people to try and censor that data i mean this gets into the old cat and mouse problem but we're just going to have to deal with it when it happens and I was thinking we could have different param- different functions for encoding. You know, lots of different encoding schemes. And uh, they would be specified in the URL somehow or the header or whatever it is that were the prefix And then, um, users should be able to define their own decoding schemes. So they might say, well, the following data here is encoded with this format. So you might have an embedded packet, nested packets, and you might say, well, this URL here defines in how, in the header, defines in how you're going to decode the body. So we're gonna want different validation schemes to be specified. And um, I guess dynamically loaded, if you trust the third party, otherwise vetted. So a user could say, well, the new format is this. And I'm thinking it shouldn't be much more complicated than a regular expression in terms of data safety. Context-free grammars for safety. We talked about (coughs) those in the security episode. So I think a regular expression is okay. Uh, Let's see who's writing to me. Okay, so we cleared up all our messages. And, um, yeah. So maybe, um, we're going to go easy on this uh, PHP thing for now because we can do it in the front end. Now, later, we can replace... The um, we have to maintain control of the domain name, but uh, we can replace the uh, front end implementation with a back end implementation in PHP that would um allow you to do more processing and uh, really we want to get away from we want to get away from any type of hosting and have things peer-to-peer so we don't really want um we don't really want to have the um, the podcast apps should be consuming these URLs and decoding them and um, <clears throat> I'm thinking, you know, even if the the type of data is encoded as another URL, that URL could be something that is fully explained instead of a short URL. It's a long, detailed one. Or it's mentioned once, and we assume that in the stream you've registered that. So we're gonna wanna create um, text-to-text connections where the, uh, where we have information that's shared across different parts of the document. Like prefix information, like we can register prefixes or register names to be used later. Kind of like a header document that could be defined at the top of a podcast or even in episode could declare its own you know, verbs and to be used later. And we also have to think about. have to think about um data that's embedded into the voice like right here we could have some oh we're going to declare a data type or we're going to declare a data type that declares data types i mean where does it end and can your type system be turing complete And, uh, you know, take over your everything. So, what are the limits to this thing? How do I know it's safe? How do you know to trust? any given statement. And that's like, oh, I'm just walking up the hill here. So, Oh, well, I want to say thanks to our dedicated listeners. We do have some great listeners on this show. You know who you are. Things that matter for people who care. Look at that, the school bus. Oh, it's a city bus. Rambling, rambling. Oh, the bus is turning. <clears throat> okay. So, so, we're going to think about all that. So, static hosting is cheap hosting and slow hosting. See, most of what we need can be interpreted on the client side. Um, I think like some standard JavaScript libraries But it doesn't even have to be in a web page see this is where we're kind of getting into our next level here Where we're gonna have web pages that are particularly ugly but can be interpreted by third-party apps. Basically, we're gonna treat pages like data and quote that data and try and make it as pretty as possible. HTML tables and such. Seems to be a good remedy. With JavaScript, but um, in the end, I'm thinking we're gonna run some local app on our computer or on our phone that interprets all this stuff and pulls it in and just gets the data off of the internet. Or it could be like a PHP app that runs on a little web host. And that's your proxy. And then um, that proxy server will filter out the ugliness and pull in the data for you and digest it for you. Then be able to produce new data blobs that you can then push out. It's all a process of digestion and excretion, I guess. Yeah, now we're kind of getting into the zone here. We're kind of getting into the zone. So Inhibition is a natural thing, and it's a sign of intelligence, the guy said with the left-right brain, and uh, what we're doing here in this episode is we're getting the flow going. getting the flow going. And it might be something that can only be understood by decoding it, by understanding it. So we're gonna expect, I guess, that you have the whole background knowledge. (coughs) So let's just try and lay out that knowledge for you right now real quickly. A recap, okay. So, how much data can we pack into plain HTML to be hosted for free on these so-called free hosting sites? How much data can we pack into plain text or Twitter posts or Mastodon posts Or Discord whatever whatever it is. Chat posts. Telegram posts. Like, what's the maximum information content that you can squeeze in? Well many of them support images, links, audio. I mean, damn. What if we just modem encode stuff inside of an audio? Like if we just record the data inside of a uh, audio stream and we can just host that. What's the fastest baud speed that you can use? Can we decode it with JavaScript? A fax message? you ever listen to a modem so these are some good questions same thing with pictures so if we look at what media is provided to us and we switch it up So we're not using it for its intended purposes. We're using it for different purposes. We're repurposing. So we're looking for carrier systems that can carry the message. And you layer them. What if it's just a number, or a fake address, or other data? What if we just use word encodings? So it looks like text, but it's actually numbers. So, and how do you recognize that? And how do you keep it from being recognized? See, this is where we kind of get into... How do we keep something from being flagged? the let's say call them content curators so let's just say we have a constant fight between people trying to offer hosting to get content that's easy to understand let's call that easy content and then let's call them peasants and ponds. So we have the peasants and the aristocrats, as V would say. And the peasants produce potatoes and carrots. And the aristocrats produce castles and armies. And how do we, so the aristocrats set up websites, so that peasants can post their potatoes and carrots. And the hackers try and inject things that are not potatoes and carrots into that system. And the defenders try and remove it. Because Facebook is only for posting carrots and potatoes. They don't want you posting anything else. They want stuff that fits into the algo that they can monetize. You got that? So. basically what I'm thinking is how can we like take a QR code and represent it as text and then make that text complicated enough so that it looks like something halfway intelligent but it's it's really a URL that's encoded. we would use words short words for bytes and kind of make it look like look like common sentences like HTTP colon slash slash would be replaced with like hello my name is right And we would look at some statistics of the most common letters and phrases in English. And then we would use them <coughs> to encode the URLs. We need a state machine as well. sure there's been work that's been done on this hiding text in text hiding messages in other text so okay so we have a cat-and-mouse system for hiding things in other things and abusing systems Let's just call that abusive behavior, abuse, using something for something where it wasn't meant to be used for. And then, um, well, what if we were defining our terms? That if we have it too deterministic or too easy, then the algorithm can use that deterministic algorithm to block it. So I think we need to have, and the code for cracking the encoding should be something that is a limited distribution. And the cipher should change daily. <clears throat> and um, well, what if we were to take existing URLs to like common things and just add in query parameters? like blobs of encrypted data into an existing URL, like Facebook, question mark, blob equals, and then we just inject some blob there that no one would ever know about. They wouldn't, Facebook would ignore it, but it would still be carried inside of the, um, the link we do so in a way that wouldn't arouse suspicion that might be interesting what if we uh, what if we did that So, the next thing, what you want to do is so we have some way of fighting the uh, censorship through, let's just say, different means hijacking other people's URLs. Hijacking images. Um, we can hide data inside of an image using a color scheme. It has to be resistant, though, to resizing. Thinking like a QR code that's overlaid on top of an image faintly. Let's just say we use the blue channel for the QR code. an image Use a border there's all types of things and we're gonna be creative we want to have some keyword or hashtag to describe the encoding I guess for people we'll give them a clue I like how, I mean, it's kind of like how QAnon is just posting pictures and image boards. You could also do that. So you have different ways of um, storing your data. So um Okay. So after we've are able to have different encodings and have different tools for encoding and decoding the data and basically abusing other networks for storing it. free hosting google sites and all that i mean now how can we make it so that it's actual valid content so instead of being abusive we could say okay this is an experiment in encoding and we just have like some html file or some text file kind of like an rfc where we spell it all out in ASCII those RFCs are kind of cute it's all ASCII formatted it's all like 80 by 20 terminal pages meant to be read on a t-type and you can format it in ASCII and post that on your uh, on your website man pages We can create a, uh, a plug for, um, <clears throat> for Pandoc to translate it. So what is the Pandoc model? Right? And I can translate all these different things. What is the model? of the content. What is represented in there? The meta model. So Pandoc is a Haskell program that can convert like between Word and HTML and Markdown. And you gotta think like, well, what is Markdown? I mean, I think that's a good common denominator. You've got links, you've got headings, I guess it's like work mode in Emacs. Yeah. And you know what? We're just going to post this whole episode exactly the way it is. Because that's how we roll on the stream of random. I've just decided that. We're not going to take any. Do any editing on season one. Like we said. So just deal with it. Cope. Cope. C-O-P-E, that's what the bot said, you're going to have to cope, learn to cope. (sighs) Alright, so... So basically, let's start this at the beginning. So we have, we can have a plain old text header that describes what's gonna happen later. We could say, okay, the beginning of this document looks like this. We're gonna have these elements. And then we just proceed to use those elements. And the text might get more and more obfuscated as we go. Right? Meaning we're using the elements that we've declared at the header. And um, the Googles might give us a bad rating for that. You can also. and provide as much information as possible and this kind of gets into like Doxygen and source code right? and uh, how this one piece of source code relates And then we're going to get into timing diagrams. See, I think that's where we're really going to give some value to things. If we have like a timing diagram that gives you the model, like we could try and extract some of it from the code. But if we can connect that to a timing diagram and show how things fit together, um, that'll be useful to people as well. way. I'm gonna go this way. So, um, show a timing diagram how everything fits together nicely. And I did find a new way to go to ShopRite today, so I'm quite happy with myself. And um, we can do ASCII diagrams, ASCII art. We can do uh, textual descriptions, graphs embedded in text, and present a way to parse those text that text into a diagram to visualize it. So we're thinking about a text that will be parsable into a graphic, but it's also readable as a text, and it just slowly gets more and more complicated as you go, with more and more encoding and more and more data. I guess we could also embed pictures or have alternative views to a picture like appendix or just have alternative views to a document like okay well this is one way to look at the document this is another way to look at the document it depends on your reader program if the reader will interpret I mean we could just have an SVG file Or a quoted SVG. And isn't... The tree structure just quoting... Isn't that just like a quoting system? In the end? The tree is just a way of quoting other structures. Whoa, head blown. Mind blown. Well, we're going to think about this, and I'm going to go do some shopping at the ShopRite. And uh, maybe we'll continue in the next segment. Alright. Well, it looks like I got to ShopRite a half an hour early, and it's closed. So you're just going to have to put up with me while I walk around in the night exploring the street let's see what else is open this time I got 15 minutes I can go in one direction and 15 minutes in the other direction people be like all dressed up for the uh, the part that they're playing, the role they're playing, oh baby, you're such a drag, you ever listen to Frank Zappa's first album, it's quite disturbing, it's quite noisy, a lot of punk music is also noisy and disturbing. Where you're wondering what the hell is this? Well, that's what this ha- this podcast is. It's like a Frank Zappa first album. It's like Zappa was together with his band, and he was the musical genius, and he's trying to make do with the team that he had, and he eventually replaced everybody over his life. The oh look at this I found someone's ID Let's just throw this in there so he replaced this whole team um, eventually he worked with some of the most famous musicians to try and implement his ideas Oh, more human feces, feces at Chef right. Looks like it's a good place to take a poop behind one of these columns. That's great. Public toilets. Welcome to Trenton, New Jersey, home of the public toilet. Oh, we got real life police sirens now for our sound effects. Isn't that great? We got real-life sound effects. I don't even have to make this up. So it looks like Chicken Jar is going to be joining us uh, this afternoon for the afternoon session. You know what's funny about these junk shops is that the junk shop owners actually have to buy that junk. Like, they have to go out and purchase it, and be like, I want this junk, I'm going to buy it, and I'm going to pay for rent to store it, and that's the most hilarious part of it, like, a junk shop is not just the junk that's there, it's actually someone who bought it, and it just changes hands. But uh, back to Frank Zappa. So yeah, he moved up over time and got better and better or developed musically. And that's what I'm hoping that we're going to do here as well, develop music. And that's only possible with our fan base. That's why we love our fans so much. So I told Harry Reed that our fans need more drugs that they're they are uh, having withdrawal syndromes and that he should find some drugs for the show. Okay, what is he writing? Let's see. He says, most definitely. Let's see when my brother comes back and the waiter is here. I'll hit you up as for a big dosing of random. Okay, we'll tell him. um, So, we'll see what happens with this. So, 5.39, we're going to go to 5.45, and then head back. That'll be 15 minutes. We'll see how far we can get. <laughs> You're such a So, okay, so we, 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 we breached the idea that a tree structure is really a quoting structure. Um, that we have lists as the most basic element of everything. Lists with pairs lists of lists and um, I guess to make lists we need to have a start word and a stop word so we could say if then else and if Otherwise, like we could have like, some kind of text structures. We could have some kind of text structures or look for for pairs of words that we can use for open brace and closed brace and other pairs for nesting. And um, we could use different chapters of the Bible for example, and just look for words that co-occur or occur in, in pairs or um, in parentheses, parenthetical words. Um, thus, it happened. Uh, for example, or we'd look for something that would start a sentence and end a sentence. And those would be parenthetical words. And then for nesting structures, we would just copy that. So something that would commonly start a group and end a group. And that would be open parentheses and close parentheses. And the second level, or first element, would be another pair. So we would come up with unique pairs for every positional argument. They might have thousands of different positional pairs in the list structure. Mm-hmm. And it's really coming down to uh, lists of lists as the ultimate quoting structure. And then replacing those parentheses with English words, short English words, that give some kind of indication. And then um, making sure that those words that we're using aren't Part, well even if they are part of the data, it's the positional information that you know that you're inside of this quoting structure. Wow, Sonic Hedgehog, boy they smell like they're open, but they don't look like they're open. Okay. Ten minutes. Five forty-five. I think we're gonna head back now. now. It looks like the Whopper might be open. Look at that, that might be a Burger King that's open. All right. That's what maybe that greasy smell is. So... Parenthetical structures. So that's like the ultimate... um, End-all, be-all... To a... uh, To a text. Now, you can always... Um use parentheses and so forth in a um, in a text but I think it'd be better for hiding this is more abuse structure so it'd be better for hiding code if you got rid of all the quotes and all the special characters and just use plain ASCII characters So it's like a cipher. And um, every cipher could be published as a web page and say, okay, this is cipher number one. It uses this text. And it would be cool if we could make the most common ciphers look kind of like a text so it would say something in the case that law right we would look for common nesting structures as well so we would look for parenthetical structures inside of the text like nesting level 1, nesting level 2. And we would just use them, and then we'd publish that as a cipher. So this is like cipher number 1 has these 100 different nesting structures. And then you would know uh, directly each word would have a meaning inside of a certain case. So if you saw, the document starts with this word, you know you're in state X. And if the next word comes, then you shift to state Y. But if that same word occurs again, you know that that's quoted because of the positional nature of the text. So you can make purely positional Documents using different ciphers. And um, we could even start and say, hey, like mentioned in the Bible, or according to the King James Version of the Bible, chapter 5, page 15, and that would be our cipher page. So that would, t- so we would like having, we would say like according to this reference. And that reference would tell you what page to select. You. Or you have to know it ahead of time. Um, and that'll map everything on down to numbers. So then once we get there... You know, you have tree structures. And these trees are just different levels of quoting. So some trees are more quoted than others. So you've got quoting of quoting of quoting, right? And you have to interpret multiple times or evaluate them multiple times with different to different contexts so they're like creating functions or creating functions that create functions so this is code that creates code if you run this code it creates another code and that code if you run it creates another code so you need to have Different levels of quoting. Quine. Willard Quine. Lambda functions. Y combinators and all these types of fun things. But that's what we're gonna get down to, I think. We haven't talked about this stuff in a while, but I think we're gonna get back to it now. That's where this is all going. I gotta go check out the facilities at the shop ride. being a valued customer. I'm sure they won't mind up in the past. So quoting of quoting of quotes. And uh, we're gonna come up with with terminology for all of that. And we could just use numbers It's like, this is the starting point of this quote of this type, and this is the ending point of this quote of this type. You can list them out and say, okay, well, these are the quotes used, these are the numbers, these are the words. This is the meaning of them. Because when I was working on Haskell, if you keep on expanding it and dumping it, it's just going to end up it's going to end up being a function application, where the first parameter to the list is the function name and the rest are parameters. Lots of function applications. And in the end, you have one function, the one big function, and that's applied to everything. that might define different functions along the way. Inside the function, you're defining other functions, and then you're defining that the results of this function are being passed to that function, different applications. You're saying here's some data that's quoted. Gonna pass it over here. You could use this function to decode that data over there. That data could be literal or it could be more quoted lists yeah is it atomic and has to be split up or processed or is it already split up that's really the question is it compacted or expanded All right. Well, I'm glad that we did this podcast because we really got into some interesting topics today. And uh, thank you for joining me. I'm not done yet. I have more torture left, but we're going to take a little break and do some shop writing. Welcome to my life. i got four more minutes. All right, time for some more infos. So, yeah, picked up some um, nice mozzarella at 50% off and some fried chicken, some cold fried chicken. I had a piece and a little bonus for the podcaster and um, out of coffee. I didn't get new coffee, but it's okay. Can't get much more awake than this. yeah I have this sore left foot that has not gotten better I mean it's just slightly tender and I guess I should just let it heal and stop walking but uh, I've been walking on it for weeks so I don't know what's going to happen with that But uh, yeah, we're talking about contents versus structure. So a content is a blob, just a container. It's like, oh, I got this this data of this size kind of thing. Where data begins here, it ends there, it's contained And structure is like, let's say I have these attributes, these fields, these properties. I have like some structured data, like a struct. Or I have instructions with parameterized instructions for constructing something. Now, those instructions could again be content contained in something. So we've all different types of relationships here different layers or encodings, and I guess that's kind of what we're getting into now is layers of encoding, layers of data, and we were thinking about that, oh I didn't even go to the bathroom at that shop right, I forgot about that. I'll make it home. <clears throat> so, content encoding, and I think we're going to have to uh, forget about plain old listeners at this point, and um, say that. We're doing experimental punk rock software. Everything we're doing is experimental punk rock. Okay? Rebellious. Questioning authority. Questioning common pr- wisdom. The fool who persists in his folly will become wise with the hope of becoming wise one day. I guess that's kind of like the anger, the genesis of this whole thing. haven't really answered the question of is a tree quoting or carrying so if you're if you have something that's like x equals y that's like a statement and if I quote if I deconstruct that into an assignment of variable x to value y variable y um we're really quoting the variable X. We're not, we don't contain the whole variable X. We're just referencing it. We're just quoting its name. It's like a reference to this variable, a description of, it's all references. So we're quoting its name or quoting its identity, embedding that into a statement like a variable. <clears throat> Special type of quote is quoting a variable name or quoting a variable reference. So nothing in the tree structure dumps will actually be the variable even in the memory of the compiler. Any description of a variable is not the variable itself. The map is not the world. A variable is, in the end, a register or something in memory. (coughs) So it's all just references and quotes or Symbols contained in structured bits. Basically, quotes of some kind <coughs> or descriptions. So, yeah, I don't know if a tree structure is actually a quote, but it contains quoted things, references, it's definitely an abstraction that can be dereferenced or evaluated at a different level. So yeah, I mean, it's like a quoted structure in terms of, we could look at it like a list, so, yeah, I think, um I think we can go from quoted data to tree or graph structure somehow, directly or indirectly. We can represent tree structures using quoted data structures, that's for sure. And, let's face it, we're just taking snippets of the source code and annotating it, it's like this is the original file, and we're quoting little tiny bits of the original file, either positionally or textually. So yes, it is a quote, it's a snippet of the original, it's a quoting of the original, the structure. Okay, boy, I'm glad you're listening to me, bet you can't get a lot of skips on this segment.